The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone is the author of Hysterical, a memoir, Alyssa Bassist. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I've been a big fan of yours since the Wham days. When oh my God, you know? Wham! Wow! <laughs> Oh, you're like OG feminist. Okay, let's do it. Okay. So um, do you know the secret code? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, one of the things that I love about uh, this memoir and this book um, is the fact that I have been thinking a lot about my voice, quote unquote, and how to u- utilize my voice like in the best way. I mean, not just because I have a show where literally people are listening to my voice, um, but also thinking of it as almost a platform, but even to, like put that aside in sort of my own context and, and talk about the different ways women can decide like in, you know, from moment to moment to speak up and how really we're not trained to do that. We're acculturated to do the opposite of that. Yes, exactly. You know, it's a, it, it's a late realization that your voice is as important as your heartbeat and as your breath. And it's something you need to survive. And um, I, I never thought of voice like that. I always thought that it was something I had to change, get rid of, be embarrassed of, make sound like a man so that people would take me seriously and never something to embody, own, develop, use to my own benefit as opposed to my detriment. And I only got to realize that because I almost died from being sick and um, and my silence in a way got me there, in a way it got me there because I couldn't speak up for myself or advocate for myself with doctors because I did not know that was an option because Mm -hmm. I did not want to annoy them. And then it was, I also got sick from a lifetime of repression Mm -hmm. and which sounds fake, um, but in doing research and in seeing what had happened to me, it's very real. Um, I found a lot of studies that women who oppress are more likely to get cancer Mm -hmm. Um, and women who express themselves, especially their anger are healthier, have hardier immune systems, visit the doctor less. Mind blowing. No, this is all, first of all, if this sounds like, you know, like this couldn't be true. I'm, I'm, I'm here to validate everything um, that Alyssa is saying, like everything you're saying, I have read similar things. And then even in my, my own experience, like when you um, realize that you have, especially in the medical context, 
um, and I'm going to ask you about your own experience, but in my experience and in and, and having to advocate for family members, you have to speak up. That you have to, if you're in the hospital, you have to speak up. You are not annoying them. In fact, by you not speaking up, they're going to assume that you're like not important and that they don't have to like go above and beyond. But if you're more annoying, they will go above and beyond. It's counterintuitive, but you have to because they have too many people. There's too many people. They're understaffed everywhere. So you have to be like, yo, 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 like, what does this number mean? What is that? What is this? What is that? And you have to be like annoying in a way. Um, but tell us more about what symptoms um, occurred when you started pushing things inward instead of allowing them to be released. I mean, one of the things I was watching just the other day, this is true over the weekend, I was looking at videos on TikTok, true story on how to release the trauma from my hips. Like, because you can, like, lay on tennis balls on your stomach and, like, kind of maneuver the trauma and, and that is kind of being held in your body. Um, that also sounds very, like, frou-frou, but I think that this is there's, – there's, there's truth to this. There's truth to this. So tell us what were some of the symptoms that you were experiencing when you were – uh, pushing things inward instead of allowing them to be released. So first of all, you should use lacrosse balls. Okay. Not tennis. All right. I love it. They're okay. a lot, they're a lot, um, softer on your body. Um, oh. I learned that lesson the hard way. <gasps> lacrosse balls are a lot better and yoga has been saying, and, and yoga has existed since the beginning of time that we hold all of our emotions in our hips. And when we do hip openers, it's really common for people to cry. Oh yeah. I've cried so many times doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I say people common for them to cry, I mean myself. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm like, oh, I'm always crying in yoga. I guess it's a lot. <laughs> All the a time. It's on. a lot. <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> um, so my pain um, that began for this two year period started with vision loss and headaches. Headaches are a really common symptom of holding in your anger. Um, For example, I was really convinced I had a brain tumor and I was even hoping it was a brain tumor because you can have surgery for a brain tumor. Mm. That's how much pain I was in, that I just wanted a name and I wanted a solution. And after I went to many specialists, I finally went to acupuncture And the first question the acupuncturist asked me when I complained of headache was, are you angry? Mm. And without even thinking, I said yes. And um, she asked me who I was angry at. And I told her um, my dad and then listed every man I've ever known or heard of. And um, she was like, you need to confront and purge these men from your life. Mm. And I, I did that after learning how to do that. I had to go to a lot of therapy to learn how to do that because um, when she asked me, have you expressed your anger to them? I laughed like that was an option because it just, it never seemed like I could get mad at men. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always been very afraid of them. Why, why is there, is there a reason? Is there like an um, origin story? Not specifically, like in writing this book, I 
I saw how I was consciously and subconsciously picking up signals from the world to be afraid of men. For example, I'm a teleholic. I love television so very much. And what's happening on television? Mm -hmm. Well, young girls are always being murdered and raped. Mm -hmm. And they're also rarely speaking up for themselves. And if they are, they're mouthy, bitchy, bossy, and so on. Um, And I was always taught to please a man, never to anger a man. And I was never told that no was a word that I could Mm. say um, or that boundaries were something I could establish. It was just do whatever a man wants you to do, say whatever a man wants you to say, and don't make them mad. That's just kind of the, the messages that I was getting throughout my life. Um, So even though I was a women in gender studies major in college and knew everything about feminism in practice, I was like, what sex position do you want me to do? I can do them all. (laughs) But in some ways, ways, I mean, and so we laugh at that. But in some ways there I, you know, obviously I, I know a lot of feminists as well. And in some ways there there was a moment in sort of like feminism here in this i don't know what wave we're in i we're i'm like i stopped counting but um where sex positivity was seen as like well this makes you more feminist more radically feminist but you're you know i think there was some nuance missed because as you said it was still about pleasing a man in many of those contexts when people exactly. were exactly trying and, to make that argument and even though i knew the seven erogenous zones I still didn't know how to speak them out loud and to demand them and to advocate for my desire or safety. And so when I was in a relationship, even though I was studying feminism in school and studying contemporary female sexualities and women's health and violence against women, I still instinctually wanted to please my man and um he was scary whenever we got into a fight and we ended up fighting so much that I lost the will to fight in any other relationship because I was like fighting is just not worth it I will do whatever it takes to not get in a fight with this person I do not want to be screamed at I do not want to be given the silent treatment I do not want to be name called. I do not want to be shamed. I do not want to be silenced. I'll just silence myself. I want to get along. Um, I just felt like every time I pissed off a man, um, like a boyfriend, there would be consequences and they weren't major, you know, they would be like a fight or again, the silent treatment ghosting, but it was enough over time that it just made me afraid to get mad, experience any kind of emotion, come off as crazy. And so I I just totally reshaped my personality so that I could be the best version of myself for him. Oh man, so many of us have changed our personalities for a guy and then we look back, cause now I'm 40. And so I look back at the times where I changed my personality for some dude and I'm like, that was dumb. That was stupid. Don't do that, women who are younger, who are listening. If you are listening and you are younger and you are changing your personality for a man, take it from me. I am 40. You don't want to do that. You're going to look back and be like, that was the dumbest thing I ever did. So that was good advice for this morning. Um, One of the other things you talk about, um, 
is how to sort of unmute your voice. And this is a big deal for me because I'm somebody who, I mean, I've even thinking about this in the context of the queen passing away. Um, And, you know, I don't know how you feel about the queen and I don't know how you're processing the queen passing away. Um, But one of the things that has sort of annoyed me about the coverage um, is when people go, I mean, one of the great things about her was just she was the epitome of grace. You never knew what she thought about any of these issues. I'm like, why is that good? I was like, wait, I'm sorry. Was that aspirational? You want to know, never know what I think. Why is that good? Why is that something we should aspire to be? Now, she's in a unique position, and that was probably something that she needed to do because of that unique position of being a, you know, somebody of noble birth and who is a queen. But women should not, you know, their their opinion shouldn't be a mystery, right? That is so fascinating to me about the queen because here is someone who, and I don't know her, and I don't know her life, but I would assume, <laughs> given her power, that she is someone who could do whatever the fuck she wanted to Listen, do. Listen, she probably could share opinion and nobody would be able to say anything in contradiction. What are they She's do? like the one person powerful enough that could for... speak up and she chooses yeah. not to. Like she could not have been removed from power. Like I would <laughs> feel like she would have experienced no consequences whatsoever. Wow. This sure. is, I have not watched The Crown, so I do not know what don't I'm Don't watch, it's really boring. no it's really boring and and i and so this is an ongoing like this this joke about the crown goes back to when i hosted this morning show with jess because she loves the crown i know a lot of people love the crown i have a lot of friends who love the crown it has beautiful art direction there's it's beautifully made wonderful however nothing's happening because nothing is happening to her because nothing is happening everything's happening outside Right. You know, it starts in like 19, you know, 47 around then it goes up through like World War One and two, uh, not one and two, but it's like right after World War Two, I think, when it starts, I want to say, OK, because Winston Churchill's there. And then, um, you know, like he's busy outside. Right. He's really busy. She's not. She's sitting in the chair, the pretty chair with the art direction. And they had like the, you know, the the nice camera come in, um, you know, with the beautiful shot. And nothing's happening. And I, I am bored when I watch The Crown. And the, the whole point of this rant is to say that the reason I'm bored is because she wasn't speaking out. She wasn't, she wasn't vocal. She was in the room talking to the people in the room, but not, you know, in 1968, she could have been saying stuff outside that would have, you know, it would have been a good moment during like the yeah. height of the civil rights movement, for example. Yeah, I just feel like my take is she could have done more. That's I think what we're, I we're all coming around to that. I, and, and here's yeah. the thing. Like, I think it's a nuanced conversation that we all should have in this moment. But I literally was watching the coverage of the Queen and they're like, we never knew what she thought. That's so great. I'm like, what? What the what the F? No, we're not. I'm not teaching our children. Don't teach our children that. Don't teach our daughters that. That's wrong. Like, I hated when I was a little kid. And I don't know if you sort of got this message when you were younger that you you shouldn't be opinionated but I know that I received the message all the time that because I was opinionated that was something bad about me like that was a negative part of my personality people would say you're so opinionated and I'm like you don't have thoughts (laughs) you don't in your brain you don't have any thoughts you don't think anything all day long you just sit there nothing's happening in your head 
No neurons firing, no thoughts are happening, and you don't feel the need to express them because that's all I'm doing. Why is it so negative, right? I know, right? <laughs> no, I mean, we would have been, we would have been, oh, like we would have been killing it, killing it out here. Yes. But like, but, but, but speak to this idea that even just having an opinion about a thing or having a thought about a thing, I mean, your opinion doesn't have to be right, but it could just be like, this is what I think about the thing. Or like, I like that chair or I don't like that chair. Or, I like that shirt. I don't like that shirt. Like just, you don't have thoughts. So like, why is it that we as young children and as young girls get this message from everyone else that like somehow if we have a thought that we should definitely not share it, we should definitely not express it. Otherwise we'll be criticized for being too loud or too opinionated. Yeah. So in writing the book, I realized that I had a lot of aspirations to be an ideal. Um, and it's not just because I'm a Virgo. I, I always wanted to be like, um, the ideal woman and the ideal woman I was told from media is who I should be. And this is who she was. She, um, was really good at doing sex stuff. Um, she let men finish her sentences for her. Um, she wasn't combative, bitchy, bossy, nasty, and so on. Um, and she grew up to be a wife and a mom and she was like very nurturing and, and, um, or she was like a dead cheerleader or raped. Like these were like the female archetypes that we had in our culture. And, um, and in writing the book, I, um, was like, you know, in trying to be the ideal woman, I tried to be more like a man also, because when men talked, everyone listened. And I wanted to be like Margaret Thatcher, who took voice lowering lessons so that people would take her seriously and I tried to be a tomboy I tried to be one of the boys Me too. I, I went through that phase be... it's a fun phase though actually you know okay. I think I'm low-key I like boys clothes more I yeah, mean not to, not to think that gender is a binary in any way shape or form but the clothes that they make for boys I like better it's made better quality of they're it is even their t-shirts are better it's like better quality. Okay, continue. <laughs> so many pockets. <laughs> right. Functional. Why do we have, why do we get this stuff with no pockets? We're the one that has to hold everything. Everything is a scam. Because All the done. purse industry <laughs> is after us. Oh, right. It's a conspiracy <laughs> by the purse industry. That's so funny. Um, so we only have one more minute here. So I want to leave people with like a, a lasting message. Like what what are some small ways they could just utilize their voice today. Like maybe it's in line at Starbucks. I don't know. But I just feel like, I mean, I do this all the time. I practice this a lot because I used to live in New York City. And so you sort of have to speak up as a woman. Otherwise, you you know, you get street harassed and whatnot. And not, I'm not saying that like everybody feels comfortable responding to those people. But I found that I found ways to do it and still feel safe, but also feel empowered. What are some small ways you every day sort of practice using your voice? So first of all, we just have to undo lifetimes of socialization and go Mm. against everything we've been taught our entire lives. And the only way I have found effectively to do this is risk. So risk being perceived as annoying, risk being perceived as a bitch, risk being perceived as bossy, like lean into the fear of the perception people are going to have of you. Yeah. Because like that perception, that bias, that's what's been ingrained in us to silence us. And we need to first get over that to speak up. Like every time 
I need to say something, but I'm too afraid of other people's reaction to me. I'm just like risk getting in trouble. And I'm thinking, and these are like small instances, like risk getting in trouble in Starbucks for asking a question and the barista yelling at you. Um, because like, I feel like our fear system is so out of whack it's that totally we need to retrain it by just taking these small risks in everyday life. I agree with that. I like that so much. I mean, you know, we're always, the caveat is always like, you know, make sure that you're safe. Um, you know, you probably don't want to do it like in a dark parking lot when you're the only one. Um, but I do think that these, once you do it like one or two times, you're going to feel so much better and it'll be easier the next time. Once I started doing it, it was like almost fun. It was like a fun game. Um, cause it, I, def, I like defying expectations. People don't expect, cause I look a little young. So especially my hair's up. So people always think I'm a college student. And when I'm like, no, I'm 40, they, they listen. Alyssa, thank you so much for being here today. It was great to have you. I'm so glad we get to talk. Yes, me too. And shout out to Wham. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina Check-In for new episodes every weekday.